Let's ride. All right, man, that's, in the nutshell, that's how I feel about what's going on in the country right now. And not everything, not everything, because, you know, America, this is, I'm talking about, I'll say this, whoever is responsible for running the Cleveland Browns football organization must also work in the White House. Hopefully, y'all get what I'm saying by that. Now, listen, I understand Rudy Giuliani is your guy. Well, he's he's kind of your guy. To be honest, you basically brought him off the bench because he was campaigning hard as shit for you and you didn't choose him after you got elected, which I thought was kind of foul, but I expect that from this type of individual. But you bring in my man to help you out, to put him on your legal team with his background, him being a New York City icon, even though he's the jackass that came up with the stop and frisk shit, at some point, he was effective in New York City bringing down the crime. And you bring him into your legal team to deal with all the shit you got going on. And this motherfucker gets on TV and tells the world that your lawyer who paid the porn star was, re was reimbursed via a law firm. Congratulations, homie. Congratulations. Nothing that's going on makes any sense. And that's why I say who's ever running that fucking um, White House must be running the Cleveland Browns as well because look at the personnel decisions. Look at the people they're hiring to do to do what? To do what? Nothing they're doing is working. They're constantly, constantly having to replace people. And at the end of the day, you can't fire the owner. But God damn, you gotta look at what you gotta look at this shit like what are you doing? Who is not in your ear? What is your chief of staff doing to help you out with these decisions that you're making? Or at this point, are you even accepting advice for someone, from anybody else? Or does he know something and you owe him a favor or something? I, I don't know. Because, you know, when you first think about when you when you think about it, right, given the track record, whether you like to do it or not, they say they're high and ruly. Rudy, and you're probably thinking, oh, this is going to be dope. You're probably thinking this is going to be real dope. They say they're going with Rudy. And uh, I would think with somebody with that background, you know, hey, it's, it's checking the box. You got the guy that's going to actually straighten shit out. But even if you go back to uh, the campaign, you kind of looking at Rudy like, Rudy, you lost your goddamn mind. I know you all about New York City, but with you being a, a mayor, and I'll say with you being a successful mayor, eight you did two two terms, so eight years, you were a successful politician. For you to back this guy, you look a little crazy. And it looked like you were getting next to him to get the position. Then you didn't get it. And then you got it. And then you fucked it all up. So I, I don't even know what to say, man. It's just, I guess it's, I call it the Trump effect, man. You get next to somebody who's consistently doing dumb shit, and you start doing dumb shit till you get sucked into the black hole of stupidity, man. There was no way that anybody else making these type of decisions and bringing these type of people into positions of power in any other company would still have a fucking job. No way. The head of the snake tapping people, hey, come on in, work for me. And then you making shit worse. 
And I, I was just got finished talking about how, hey, man, if you really got this North Korea, South Korea shit good, you're straight. All you got to do is not fuck up anymore. Things will blow over over time if you get this legal shit smoothed out. And your legacy will somewhat be intact. Like, as history goes on, people will forget the scandals and shit. Well, some of them, some of the smaller scandals will be forgotten and you'll be remembered as a halfway decent president by the masses, regardless of how I personally feel about you. But nope, that news went away and now you got bullshit back dominating the media. I don't know if you were bored or what, but this shit is crazy. You just can't, get, you got to get it together, bro. Somebody in your camp, your whole, you need to do away with your whole camp. Or you just need to quit. Because nothing is fucking working. Nothing. Short of this North Korea shit, nothing is working. You got to throw the whole cabinet away. Because, man, it, this is ridiculous, bro. Like, I, I almost have to stop watching the news because I get tired of having stupid shit to talk about. But, like, if I'm ever in the pinch and need something to speak on, you got me, bro. You nice and consistent. I guess I should be grateful for your stupidity, but I'm not. I'm really, I'm not, man. This, this shit has got to stop. Like, I couldn't even look at any other news stories because this shit was just everywhere, and I didn't really want to look into nothing else. I was trying to see if there's going to be something said that made me rethink my position, and so far, nope. That's crazy. I'm going to get away from that, though, because... I've already wasted too much time on that. And I'm going to get into these playoffs, man. The NBA is getting real, real interesting. Real, real interesting. And uh, the Pelicans shocked me. I didn't think they were going to win the game. They ended up blowing out Golden State when they were uh, when they were at home. And I think it's – I just – I think it's time that we recognize Golden State is going to go down as one of the greatest teams because they – Bounced back and came back and smashed him in uh, game, was it game four? So that little that little moment in the sun was over with, much like um, Houston and Cleveland. I mean, not Houston and Cleveland, Houston and Utah. Utah won that one game, and then Cleveland came. God damn! And then Houston came right back and smacked them. I'm watching too much basketball. And then Houston came right back and smacked them. So we pretty much know who's going to be in the conference finals right now. It's going to be Houston and Golden State and Boston and um, Cleveland because God bless the heart of the poor man who um, who dropped the confetti early in Philadelphia when he thought they won the game. Oh, man. I heard that they found him on Twitter. I didn't want to look for him and see who he was. I'm, there's got to be enough of that already. I'm pretty sure he's a meme by now. I haven't looked into it. But damn. You got to feel like a chump right now. For y'all to lose in the just crushing defeat off an of inbound play. That's that's gotta end up. Playoffs at home. Damn. Y'all ain't doing me no justice. That's why I tell y'all, man, Philly, if it wasn't for the Eagles winning that Super Bowl, I would say Philly is cursed, man. Shit. This man hit the button, got confetti dropping on these guys while they on the bench. And then they go back out there and fucking lose the game. And now you're down 3-0 on your way to Swept City in the fucking playoffs. I, I, guess it's, I guess it's for the best because it looks like, like I said, the boys in Cleveland, now they recognize what LeBron James needs them to do. They know what the expectations are. They know what it's like to win a playoff series now. And now, now they're getting it cracking. But I'm going to bounce back to this Houston and I'm, damn, to this Philly and this um, Boston shit real quick. Because I told y'all, Terry Rozier was not fucking off. And since I said that, he's been hooping. I just known he was good. But what he's been doing is incredible. Coming off the bench, he's basically like the third point guard on the roster, I think. Or well, he was, because um, cause I don't know what fuck position Marcus Smart plays. He just does stuff. And I... I would have thought that Marcus Smart would have got the start, but I guess um, I forgot the dude from but I forgot his name. Brad something, I forgot his name, but um, their coach knew better, and they seem to be working out for um, Boston in the playoffs so far. 
and I, I'm waiting for that clash. That's going to be good. Cleveland and Boston, I think it's going to be a great series. It will be fantastic if I, if um Kyrie came back for the series, you know, just for the drama. I, I'm not even sure how bad his injury is. But I think if he was able to play and they met with Cleveland, I think he would come back just to, you know, for the opportunity to compete against LeBron and, like, you know, kind of shit on him, if, especially if you get him out of there. Because, like I said, I didn't think Toronto matched up well with, with Cleveland, but I think Boston does. Because you got Al Hortford, you got Jalen Ramsey, you got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I think they win the matchup at the point guard with Terry Rozier versus George Hill. That's if LeBron's not running the point. Now, they don't have anybody to stop LeBron on the wing, but I think their offensive firepower will play a part. I think um, their other big man, Aaron Baines, I think he's physical enough to get in there and bully Kevin Love enough to you know to make him uncomfortable. If he comes in with that little jump hook, he's been um, using it with, going against Toronto, which has been working out well. Like, I hadn't seen Love play like that in a while where he's diving through the rack and throwing the little hook shot up. I just, I wish he would do it more. Because like I said, if they had a shot, two-point field goals against uh, Indiana, I think they would have got them out of there in like five or six games instead of going seven. But Jordan Clarkson's playing better. J.R. Smith's playing way better this series. He's actually scoring points. I would like to see Tristan Thompson out there more. George Hill's more aggressive. So Cleveland's doing their thing, man. I think LeBron kind of, I mean, he didn't have to score 40 in the last game, so we'll see. And then they're playing in Cleveland again, so – I'm pretty confident they're going to get Toronto out of there. And that sucks because I love uh, DeMar DeRozan as a player. He had a terrible game. I really disagree with him being out in the last few minutes of that game. But, again, I'm not a coach. I'm not a professional. I just think somebody with his ability to shoot the mid-range shot and to make the defense accountable for him, I think you need to have him on the floor. I really do. Um... Lowry surprised me because he usually disappears in the playoffs, but he got up for this game. And this game was getting real physical. It got to a point where Kyle Lowry kind of pulled LeBron down. He made a trip, whatever, but it looked like he threw LeBron big ass to the ground. And I know it's LeBron flops and all that shit, but it looked like he actually like threw him to the ground with LeBron's momentum and shit. But overall, I think Cleveland's going to make it back to the finals. I think once they collide with Boston, I think Boston is more is more beat up than people have been thinking about because of the success they've had. Because you know Kyrie's out and um, Jalen Brown is coming off of that hamstring situation. In the series with Cleveland that it might go seven, I just don't see Boston being able to last. As far as the West, I still feel like Golden State's going to come out of there. Because if they get if they get in the uh, James Harden's head, and he can't he can't get past that. You taking 20, 30, even sometimes fucking 40 points a night away from Houston. And I, I think they're built in a similar way. And I think at the end of the day, the playoff experience of um, Golden State will will overcome Houston. I know they got scores. They got Houston got scores everywhere. They got Eric Gordon off the bench. Of course, you got CP3. You got Trevor Reason with the lockdown D. And being able to shoot from deep. You got Clint Capella doing his thing. P.J. Tucker. You got Mbamute Mute coming off the bench. Who I think he had like, he recently had the best plus minus in NBA history. Something crazy like that. And I I, I really like Mbamute. Mute. He developed his game because he was more of a straight defender. He developed the outside shot, which I really think extended his um, NBA career. But whatever. I still see Golden State getting past them. They're They've been having to use their bench players more throughout the playoffs, and I think that's only benefited them as a team because now these guys are used to being in pressure situations. They know what loss is, and they're on a team that knows how to win. And I don't know how you would not elevate when you're on a team that's been reaching historic heights as far as being back and forth to the fucking finals. I think when you got that much championship experience on the team with the head coach, with um. The guy used to coach for um, fucking Cleveland. I can't believe I forgot his name. But you got him there. You got the guys actually on the team. I don't think there's any way that they 
they don't beat Houston. I think it's going to be a great series, but I still see Golden State going on to win their third championship because when, when LeBron and them get to the finals and Golden State's there, it ain't no way that Cleveland's going to beat that team. Cleveland, I don't think it's beating anybody coming out the West. Just looking at the rosters up and down, I think Utah will give Cleveland some trouble. And I definitely know that Houston would. Shit, New Orleans would probably chew Cleveland up in the, in the finals. If you look at their roster, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, I think um, because that would that would pretty much shut down Kevin Love because AD could play at the could play at the four or the five. And then you got Miritich stretching the four. Yeah, I just I don't see how Cleveland could be anybody in the in the West right now. So they're basically playing hard to go lose in the finals. And then your boy will be um three and nine, which is terrible. And I think um hopefully this I can make it my last time mentioning these two in the same breath as far as who is greater, but I'm I'm going to do my best to retire my Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate because to me there is no goddamn debate. You can't have two more opportunities to do the same thing as somebody else, to accomplish the same championship as somebody else and only end up with half and be considered in the same spot. You've been there eight times, you got three rings. Michael Jordan's been there six times, he has six rings. You can't compare the two to me at all. They play different positions, I understand, different play styles. I understand, but they're both playing professional basketball in the NBA goddamn A. And when you look at the credentials and all these MVPs and all these stats LeBron got, that's cool. MJ has similar stats, but I will say this. MJ is winning scoring titles and first team and winning the first defensive team not in the same year and going on to win fucking championships. Now, I'm not a basketball historian, but I do know that that's incredible. You have to be the greatest two-way, at least the greatest two-way player of all time. You got ten, you got ten scoring titles, and nine all-defensive first-team selections. That's crazy. And to do it simultaneously with winning this fucking scoring championship, come on, man. Ain't no debate. Well, with that being said. My stance is, is now going to be this. After how I felt when, when I watched Kobe Bryant play his last game, I thought about that for a second. And it reminded me that we have to enjoy these guys while they're playing. Cool, it makes us feel a part of it. It gives us this false sense of being, of being connected to the league. When we're nowhere near it, we get to have a conversation on social media with a bunch of people who don't matter to the NBA. At the end of the day is when these guys leave the league, we're going to miss them. So my next question is, who's next? Who's next for the number one spot? Because for LeBron, I think he pretty much sold it up for his era. From 2003 on, you got to – everybody who's on, like, in the top five, I guess, as far as best players in the league, well, shit, I can't even say that. Because I think whenever LeBron decides to hang it up, watching it, Anthony Davis in the playoffs, I think it's going to be Anthony Davis. He's a big man that could do damn near anything on the court. He probably shouldn't, but I think he could play from the three to the five if he if he really wanted to. If you had the lineup for it, you could play him at the three. He's not as fast as a normal three, but he can pull up and shoot. He can post you up. He can block shots. It's really not a lot he can't do on a basketball court. And if he played longer, I'd say KD, but I don't think KD's going to play that long. He may because he's a shooter. I just, I would hate them to see him play to the point where he started to deteriorate. And he's had some injuries in the past where he had to miss like a whole damn season. So I don't know if he'll be around that long. These new crop of rookies, we got some, this Donovan, we got some guys. This Donovan Mitchell guy is fucking phenomenal. Jason Tatum's a beast. Uh, you know, Ben Simmons, he, he might have scored one point in the fucking game. But we know what he can do on a regular basis. He's like a walking triple-double. We got some young players. We still, the jury's still out on Lonzo Ball, but I think he'll be fine. He averaged damn near triple-double this year as a rookie, too. We know what his game is going to be. I think Lonzo's game is going to depend 
and his uh, elevation is going to depend on who L.A. brings in, on who the Lakers go get. Will they get playoff P? Will they go get Paul George if he leaves? Me personally, I don't know. I think it's a 50-50 toss-up. Will he want to leave OKC after that piss-poor performance in the playoffs and go somewhere else? Or will he try to stay there and redeem himself? And then what's Melo going to do? Is Melo going to accept the fact that if he's going to be on a team with other stars, he may need to come off the bench in order to have the best effect on the team? Or is he going to be stubborn to force himself into a starting role and completely fuck up the chemistry of the team? I honestly think that Melo coming to L.A. would benefit somebody like Lonzo Ball better than the Paul George because that would, you know, with the way Lonzo plays, pushing the ball up, I think it would open up the game a lot more if you got to worry about Melo on the perimeter. You got Julius Randle getting buckets from mid-range to down low. Then you got Brandon Ingram on the other side of Melo. I just think they would open up the game a lot more, especially if they keep Brook Lopez. And it all, But it also depends on what they do with Kuzma. Is he going to start next year? I think he's earned it. But it's all it's going to all fall to you know the GMs and the coaches about where they feel he best fits in. Because if you, got, you got a guy that can give you 20 off the bench. You can slide him in and out the starting lineup. I mean, damn. You got a hell of a player. And he's young. But I think if you put Brandon Ingram opposite of Melo, you keep Brook Lopez, you got Alonzo at the point. That's if you keep Caldwell Pope at the two. Or you can even slide Caldwell Pope to the bench, have Alonzo starting, have Ingram at the two, have Melo at the three, have Julius Randle at the four, and have Brook Lopez at the five. I feel like it can work. Because now you take the pressure off Brook Lopez a little bit. He don't have to be the guy inside scoring. You can let Julius Randle go in there and do the dirty work. He can get you a double-double a game. Easy. And then you can have Melo around the perimeter. And you can have, you know, uh, Brandon Ingram basically being the finisher, being the guy that's going to drive and get you and get you buckets. And then you got Caldwell Pope and Josh Hart and Kuzma coming off the bench. Or you can just throw Melo in the trash and have Kuzma start as the stretch four, which which can work. I feel like they can go either way. Like, I don't even know if the Lakers even really need a superstar because depending on who they can get or, who's a, or who makes themselves available, I don't think you want to fuck up the chemistry of this team. They've already won a lot more games this year than they won last year, and these boys are going to be hungry coming back. And what you already have, and I forgot they even already got Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench, you have the potential to have a, a really explosive roster on your hands. So I think it's going to be interesting what happens next year. But what I know for sure is that I'm picking Cleveland to lose in the finals, whether it be Golden State or Houston. They're going to lose. And I'm actually going to go ahead and say that Cleveland's going to go to the finals. They're going to beat Boston. Golden State's going to beat Houston. Golden State's going to win the championship. And Steph Curry will get his finals MVP. That's my pick. That's what I'm going to put out into the universe. Steph Curry's going to get his finals MVP. Fucking finally He'll be three rings, certified Hall of two-time MVP, certified Hall of Famer. And that's that's another thing that bothers me is that people are already calling guys currently playing Hall of Famers. There's a couple of guys you can say that about. LeBron, obviously, D-Wade. Um, I'll give you KD, multiple-time scoring champ, MVP, finals MVP. I get KD, obviously. Steph Curry, back-to-back MVP. I get it. But is, is Draymond a Hall of Famer? Maybe. I'll give you maybe on Draymond. Maybe. On any other team, in any other system, I don't know if he works the same way. And the same with Clay. Now, Clay's, Clay can be a great scorer, but he can also disappear. And he's a really good defender. So I wouldn't call him a Hall of Famer just yet. He's got two rings. I would say there's an argument, but I wouldn't jump out the window and call him a Hall of Famer just yet. When I say Hall of Famer, I'm thinking of a guy that can play on any team in any system and have that impact. Somebody like LeBron, somebody like Kobe, somebody like Jordan, KD. I think Steph could do it. I don't know if Kyrie is going to be considered a Hall of Famer. I would assume so the way they're just giving the title away. I don't know. I, I really 
Don't like that, though. Don't call guys Hall of Famers that are still playing. I'm still like bona fide. Hey, you guys are in the top five players in the league right now. Then I'm comfortable with the Hall of Famer tag, but I don't think you have to have a ring. I will say, for me to consider somebody an automatic Hall of Famer, you got to have at least one MVP. And I think that's that's I think that's a fair assessment. And I know guys win multiple MVPs, but hey, man, out most valuable player them if you want to be the MVP. That's what it's all about. You want to be the MVP? Be the goddamn MVP. Pretty simple to me. Have the greatest effect on your team and have that affect the record of your team as far as getting towards the championship. But, yeah, those are my picks, man. Golden State for the win in the finals over Cleveland. Great series, maybe. A lot of moments, definitely. But I think Steph Curry is going to walk out there with his, uh, with his finals MVP. Especially if they're destroying Cleveland, I think his teammates will kind of get him the ball more to bump those stats up so he can kind of be the guy this time. And if not him, then it's going to be KD. I know they're probably going to give a shit because he got that $200 million max contract. And he's thinking, as long as we win, I don't give a damn. What else we got? I got any football for y'all? I do not. I have, um, yeah, let's jump into this music, man. Uh, I wanted to talk about, that's going to be too deep for me to do. I will do, I will do this. So I was listening to Ray Schremer's, their album came out, and I started listening to a few songs as the single started to pop out. And I will say this. The Migos might have Ray Schremer fucked up with that we the best group talk. I think out right now, now I'm not talking about history. In my opinion, you want to say best group in history? My top three, number three, I'm going to give you Wu-Tang. Then I'll give you a toss-up between N.W.A. and Outkast because the, uh, the umbrella of N.W.A. with Cube, Dre, Easy, and all them. With what came after that, Death Row, Ruthless Records, Shady Aftermath, you know, with all that came after that, that's a big tree. But musically, you ask me greatest group of all time, I'm saying Outkast. I don't care about that or oh, their duo shit. More than one person, I'm calling that a group. My personal opinion, Outkast, greatest group of all time. Yeah, so my top three is Outkast, NWA, Wu-Tang, and I give you Run DMC at four. And at five, I don't even know. I don't know who I'd put at five. But Migos, I feel like Ray Sherman's on their asses with that best group out shit. And and it's not the hate on Migos. They're doing their thing. They got Culture 2 out right now. They got, I think I want to say, at least two hit singles out right now. They're on other people's shit. I did listen to the album. Once was enough for me. I'm not the biggest fan of their music. But I said, you know what, I'm going to go check it out. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Ray Sherman just put out a fucking triple album. I don't know if they did it to satisfy some type of record deal obligation they had or contract, whatever. But I know it's a triple album. Even though it's only nine songs per, I would say, per disc. To me, it still qualifies as a triple album. So what they did was, the album's called Shrim, by the way. So what they did was, they had um, nine songs apiece. So obviously the first, the first, I guess what would be a disc, is like them as a group. And then the second disc is like uh, Sway Lee, I think it's called Swaycation. And then the third one is, uh, I think it's Jimtro, or whatever they're calling it, right? But I think it's great that they did this, and I really feel like it benefits... Um, Slim Jimmy the most because everybody knows what, what Sway Lee's doing. Sway Lee's doing hooks. He had that song that was huge. He did that hook for French Montana. That shit was huge. It went over well. With what he's been able to do with his voice, he's looking like the front man of a duo group, which for me, which to me is like never good because that means you automatically cast somebody else in the shadow. But when it's two, I mean, when it's just two guys, it ultimately it's going to happen. So I think what them doing. The, uh, the triple disc and like uh, Slim Jimmy having his own kind of, his own disc, I think it's going to show that he can do his own thing as well because I think they complement each other really, really well with him being, Sway Lee being more of the guy harmonizing and then Slim Jimmy just kind of rapping. I think it works well. And with them being brothers, I would really hate to see something come between them as a group. So versus him going off and doing a solo project 
or Slim Jimmy going off and doing a solo project. I think it's the best thing they could do is kind of put it together. And that way they stay together while doing something separate. But it's if you look at it, it's not even really like a separate album because they're on every song. But I guess what one did was like, hey, I want to go in this direction with this and have you come on the song and do this. And then the other one did the same thing. So it's kind of like, in a way, it's like a Quimini, just not as good. And um, it's their own little thing. It's like a Quimini, but just not as good. And they put their own little spin on it and everything. So I think it's going to turn out dope for them, man. And their tour is going to be amazing. And I just, with, you know, 27 songs, I feel like they had to be working. They had to be on tour working the whole goddamn time to have 27 songs just in the chamber like that. And I ain't saying they all bang, but they do got they got some decent songs on there. And I'm not the biggest fan of it, but they got they got some joints. They got a uh, Power Glide with Juicy J. They got um I forgot the name. I think it's Smokers Only or something like that. But that's what um they got Zoe Kravitz on the song. They got Future on the song, and I don't give a shit about Future. They got a song with The Weeknd, and these boys are putting their stamp on the game. This is like their third album, and um. Uh, they making it known that way. They ain't to be fucked with. So, I, if you had to ask me which one was better, I'm gonna tell you right now. I think musically, Ray Sherman is the better group for me, and I like. And it, it's great though to have, to be able to have that conversation because it's there's two groups that are comprised of family members, and I, that's you know super rare. So I like to see that they're all sticking together and doing their thing and staying with that same mentality. Man, we gonna do this together or nothing at all. I think it's really dope. So shout out to both the Migos and Ray Sherman. But if you ask me who I'm who I'm choosing more if I gotta listen to it, well Migos got some hype shit. I'm gonna go Ray Sherman. Because I'd rather chill. And I I know I'm gonna catch everything. Migos sometimes rapping too goddamn fast. But yeah, man, that I think it's dope. Keeping with the music, man, I'm gonna say, is it time to get into Kanye? I know I already said, should I wait? I'm just going to, I'm going to move on to something else, then I'm going to come back to Kanye. Vince Stables. Vince Stables from Long Beach, California. Kanye's in the news right now doing his, doing his, uh, his media thing as he does. Pissing people off, making people happy, whatever you want to call it. He's doing that right now, but quietly, quietly, Vince Staples is probably the realest rapper in the fucking world right now. Vince Staples will get on an interview or anything and say whatever the fuck he wants. I'm a huge fan of Kendrick, J. Cole, Crit, all that. Musically, love him. Damn my top. But just as far as being the realest nigga in rap right now, I'm telling you right now it's Vince Staples because he's going to speak his mind. He was in an interview at Complex, or was it, it was at Coachella, where he basically was just telling the truth. He was like, Def Jam dropped a little dirt, talking about R. Kelly going to pissing on kids. He's a pedophile. He's like, I'm a black entertainer. I can say whatever I want. R. Kelly's a pedophile. Like, people don't, especially other entertainers, don't say it. They don't even touch that shit. They just kind of let that shit go unchecked. And I'm glad he said something, because in the wake of all this Kanye shit, everybody's talking about, fuck Kanye West. He's in the song and plays, da 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 this, that, and the third. It's like, nobody's, I think everybody in the music business should be after the guy who married Aaliyah, may she rest in peace, when she was fucking 15 years old, and then co-wrote or co-produced a song called Age Ain't Nothing But A Number. Like, how is this guy not the trending topic? Like him having like a brothel or sex slaves or whatever the fuck R. Kelly is doing, that should be the topic, not what Kanye's talking about. Kanye should be a subtopic. But this shit with R. Kelly, I'm glad somebody said something. I'm glad that Vince Staples had the state of mind to say that shit. And people can say what they want, but you're not going to shake them. Like he said, I think R. Kelly's people are after him or whatever. Some shit he said. But you're not going to shake somebody like that. And this is why I specifically like West Coast rappers. Like I love rappers from the New York area. I like rappers from the South and all that shit. But I have a special love and respect for West Coast rappers. Especially ones who are affiliated with gangs. Because you can't fucking shake them. People can get on records and say all this dumb shit. Like if you come to New York, whatever. They was talking crazy about Kendrick when he got on a control verse and basically 
told people he's the king of New York and all that shit. People like Game, when they speak their mind and say whatever they want to say, and then they show up in New York and then nothing happens. Well, Game was involved in the shootout, but that's neither here nor there. You can't scare these guys. Like, even with the Takashi nigga running around talking crazy, he's he's most likely checking in with people before he goes places. And I, this is why I like him, because if you're a West Coast rapper and you're from that gang culture, you really got to be about that shit. You really, for real deal, got to be where you come from. Because if you say that you're from a certain area and that you put in X amount of work in one of your songs, it has to be real or you can't go the fuck back home. Now, I'm not saying I want people to be out there rapping about committing all types of acts of violence and shit and crazy drive-bys and stuff like that. But I would like to at least have an inkling that I'm, if I'm hearing that, at least I'm hearing from somebody that's speaking from experience. They've done it. They lived their life. They've actually been in the streets. They know it ain't shit their form and that's why they're doing what they're doing now and that's why rappers like Vince Staples speak from that west coast they have no fears like what are you going to do I've, I've lived in a constant conflict my whole life being a part of this gang culture so nothing nobody says in a fucking interview on on the internet from across the fucking country or the world you can't shake somebody who's been through that type of trauma they constantly like you got to constantly be on alert if you're living that lifestyle. And I would think somebody like Vince, somebody like Kendrick, somebody like Gang, if they weren't, something would happen to them already. Because when them other rappers come out there talking that gang culture shit, and they not from it, you see what happens. Fucking Baby was talking that blood shit, went out in L.A., and this whole fucking vehicle got surrounded by Crips. Them boys had plies out there, scared, tucking his chains and shit. They made Soldier Boy look stupid. You out there paying these cats for protection because you run in your mouth claiming a lifestyle that, that you don't live. And then when you go out there, shit ain't the same. So that's, you know, that's like a little side note, but that's why I have a real respect for West Coast rappers because they have to be authentic. They have to be real. They have to come from where they say they come from. They can't be out there spewing that bullshit. So when I see somebody like Vince Staples go out there and say what he has to say and speak his mind, I know it's authentic because he comes from an authentic place and a place where he has to be honest about shit. So shout out to Vince Staples for that, man. Go listen to his music. He's pretty dope. Now this Kanye shit, man. Now, if you didn't listen to the interview that he did with Charlamagne, you didn't get the full context. Everybody on social media is so quick to jump and say whatever you want to say. Everybody wants to be the first person to make the meme about the celebrity. Everybody wants to be first to make the joke and all that shit. Especially when it comes to something as controversial as race. Especially when it's somebody that comes from your own. That's saying something contrary to what you think they should be saying. Because we, we turn on ourselves quick in the black community. We turn on ourselves quick. So hopefully everybody who was out there talking that shit about Kanye... Listen to the fucking interview. Then you get the full context of what he was saying. Yes, he's dealt with mental issues and all that shit. Cool, we know that. Nobody, we all know, like, when you're dealing with a genius, they don't they don't seem to think like everybody else. And I'm not saying he's a genius, like, in the, in the intellectual scope or the political scope, on a political scope or anything like that. Musically, though, this man's a fucking genius. He's made great music. He has a classic album under his belt. He makes great fucking music. So as an artist, I myself consider him a genius, as do many people. You can't expect him to think in the conventional way. And I'm not saying that I agree with everything he said, but did he make some valid points? Yes. Should we be surprised that he likes things about Donald Trump? Not fucking really. Because if you, if you look at their history, there's parallels there. When you look at how they use media, there's parallels there. Donald Trump back in the 80s was, was trying to be a developer in New York, right? But there were other people whose names that people really don't know if you're not a part of that. That's why I keep suggesting that you go watch, you go to Netflix, you go to watch Dirty Money, and you look at episode number six. That's when they're talking about Donald Trump. So, go check that out and you'll, you'll get some context about what I'm talking about. About how Donald Trump was trying to get into the game as a developer 
and he wasn't really able to get in like that. He were like he's his name was well known, but he was one of the smaller developers in New York City, and some of his buildings and shit failed. But what Donald Trump would do is he would talk to the magazines and make sure his name was in the magazine and the newspapers and shit. He was manipulating the media to where if you think about a developer in New York City, you're not going to know the biggest guy's name, but you'll know Donald Trump's name. That's why you don't know these other buildings and shit. Like you probably know three buildings in New York City if I name them off. The Chrysler Building, the Empire State Building, and Trump fucking Towers. And I'm excluding the Freedom Tower because we all know 9-11 and I don't want to bring any neg any more negativity to what I'm talking about. But you know Donald Trump's name because of the way he manipulated the media. And the fact that he was willing to go out, to go all out and risk all his money and risk his income and risk his name to build what he believed in. And this is the Donald Trump that people that people fucked with. Like, hey, you know what? He's, he's out there with his money. He's, he's saying things that make sense to us at the time. And I'm Believe me, I'm talking about before he started speaking so politically. And I would say I didn't really notice him on the political scene until he was commenting on Barack Obama. So I'm talking about previous to this. I'm talking about previous to him being president and previous to him talking about Barack Obama. People didn't mind Trump. He was funny. He was the he was the um, the talk the TV show guy. He was that guy, right? He was in all mentioning all type of rap records in a positive way in references to money. But well, he's a guy who got a million dollar loan from his pops who went out there and put his name on shit and made money off his name, off the strength, off the strength of his name and the grind he put in. They didn't want to let him in. So he did something else. He circumvented his way in and he, got, and he blew his name up and now he can do shit all over the world. Now, do I think he's a piece of trash? Yes, because of shit he said recently. But before... I just really didn't care about that guy. He was just another rich guy who had more money than me. But what I'm what I'm saying is, if you look at Kanye West, who came in the game with the album College Dropout, and Kanye West, who was, was in his mama's crib making beats and shit, struggling to get on, and then once he got on with Rockefeller, they weren't even trying to sign him as an artist. They just wanted him to make beats. But he pushed, and he worked, and eventually he got signed as an artist. And once he got signed as an artist, he started making dope-ass albums, and he became a musical superstar. He was unconventional. Even when he got a leg up in the game, he still had to grind. He still had to convince people to fuck with him, and he made his own way. And he was also misunderstood. So I can see the parallels between Donald Trump and Kanye West. Now, do I like to see a guy who I'm a fan of musically stand next to this guy right now? Absolutely not. You stand next to shit, you're going to start to stink. That's just how I feel. But I can understand how two guys would have these gigantic egos with the things they've been able to accomplish. And that's just me looking at it objectively. Like, okay, let me just look at this and look at these two people from what I've seen of them before, I say, 2000, 2008, or when Obama won. Their stories, they're different industries, but they both had to struggle. So I could... To me, it makes sense that they will be cool. And then going past that, if you look at what Kanye West is saying, what he's saying is that he's free. He don't have to be one way. And I think as black Americans, we all feel like we got to be one way. Like we can't be the other way. You can't be black and conservative. You can't be black and whatever. You got to be black and like rap music and not like country. You got to be black and not like rock and roll and like R&B. You can't be black and do blah, 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 blah. And I think that's what Kanye West is saying. There's no cookie cutter black people. We come in many different shapes, sizes, hues, or complexions, whatever. We have different personalities and different interests. But you grow up thinking that if I do this, I'm acting white. If I do this, I'm acting too black. Everybody else just to get, gets to just fucking be. So that's... So I get what he's saying. I think we should just be able to just, just fucking be. Just be happy. Just be into whatever you want to be into. Be able to have your own interests. We we often get caught saying, oh, that's white people shit. We don't do that shit. But I guarantee there's some black people that do whatever you're talking about. Now, you may not agree with it because you haven't seen it up front and personal. But there's no way you've seen every black person in the world throughout that day to day. 
so when he was saying the shackles of the mind, I get what he was saying. We're more than one way. We think in multiple different ways and different patterns. We're not all the same. And I think this is what happens when you don't have a country, to call, a home origin country. That's why I urge everybody, if you're, especially if you're black, to go do your ancestry shit. I'm actually waiting on my results now from Ancestry DNA. Whether you do 23andMe, Heritage, whatever the fuck, or Ancestry DNA, go do your shit to find out something else about yourself other than slavery in America. Go find something else about yourself. That gives you what? That's going to open a whole new book of history for you. A whole new book. Because I would say African Americans have a negative connotation when it comes to thinking about themselves being from Africa as is because we've only been shown the bullshit on TV. So we don't know. And to be and to be 100% honest, I think that these ancestries and all this shit should be free if you're black. If you can verify, hey, you're right, I'm black, that shit should be free for you 100%. And I mean, you should get the whole gamut because there's shit you could do. You could connect the relatives and all this if you pay for this shit. Hell no, if you black, that shit should be, that shit should be free. Our ancestors were brought here against their, against their will and all that shit. And I've tracked my own family on my father's side back to Alabama in the 18 fucking hundreds. And that's far as I got because I don't know if I'm going to spend money on that. But it's, it's still pretty impressive. I think it should be free for us so we can get some kind of bearing on where we come from beyond slavery. I think it would do a hell of a lot for our self-esteem. And God damn it, I, I really want to know who to find out who else to root for before this fucking World Cup. Because let's, let's, let's face it, man. America, it ain't looking that good. God damn it. I want to know who else's flag I can wave during the World Cup. Because I guarantee you, once I find out, I'm going to dig into that, hit that country's history and see what I can teach my daughter and teach my and teach these people I meet. Hey, did you know in whatever country? So I'm just hoping that the flag is nice. <laughs> I don't want to be from nowhere, nowhere with a shitty flag. I know that's shallow, but I'm a piece of trash, man. Just being honest, I'm garbage. Well, yeah. Oh, by the way, um, that Childish Gambino got a video called This Is America. And I'm a you know, if you got the title list, you probably already understood where I got the title of this episode from, but check it out. It's, you know, it's artistic, it's shocking, but it's dope. So definitely check out that Childish Gambino video, This Is America. Because y'all out here killing Kanye for telling you to be able to, hey, free your mind, think different. You don't have to be one way. We don't all have to be one way. We don't all have to fit this systematic way of thinking they got us. They got us trapped in with this fucking media and this music and just the culture we passed down and black people were only one fucking way. Fuck that. Do whatever you want to do. You want to dye your hair pink and skateboard? Fuck it. Go do that shit. Would I look at you crazy? Maybe. I ain't gonna lie. But hey, man, be free. Go be your best black self and do your goddamn ancestry so you can figure out which country you come from. Because, shit, we got ancestors over there that jump up and down and dye their hair red. We over here picking on people because they want to dye their hair pink and shit. And, um, just people, when we get on these social media shit, we got to start thinking before we hit the send button and the share button. I'm, I'm super guilty of this shit. Way guilty. And I'm going to try to tell it myself. But we just got to think before we tweet and Facebook and all that shit. Because y'all out here killing Kanye West. But y'all love what Killmonger said at the end of Black Panther. About my ancestors knew it was better to jump in the ocean and die rather than be a slave. But when Kanye West said slavery was a choice, y'all jumped on his ass. I'm going to leave it at that, man. Y'all know how to get at me, man. Um, Noplayingthisride at gmail.com. All lowercase, noplayingthisride at gmail.com. Got t-shirts and coffee mugs and water bottles. If you're interested, it's going to be at noplayingthisride.threatless.com. I have the link in the description of the um, podcast. Also, I'm on Twitter, noplay247, capital N, lowercase o, capital P, L-A-Y, noplay247 on Twitter. Hit me up. Also, there's a Facebook page, No Playing This Ride. Give me some feedback, man. Let me know. I'm trying to figure out ways to make this better. I got some big news for one of the homies coming, and I'm not going to say it until it's um until I know it's solid for sure. 
if he's gonna make his move. But it's for me personally, it's I've I've known this guy since I was a kid, and grew, and we grew up and came up together. So to see him potentially be in this position, I think is super dope. But I won't speak on it 100% until I know. So in the meantime, between time, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, go wherever you get your music, and check out um, Captured by Mimi Janite. It's a dope R&B song produced by my homie, or mixed by my homie. And then go pick up Welcome to New Jack City by my homeboy Weeks. It's on Spotify, it's on Tidal, it's in iTunes. And I don't know about fucking Google Play Music because I don't do that Android shit. But it's probably over there, too. So, with that being said, learn something tomorrow that you didn't learn today. Make tomorrow better than what today was. And go get your fucking ancestry DNA done, man. Reach back into the past and learn about your raggedy ass. Peace.